met Connor on a number of occasions. We were going to do some videos together, but uh, that'll never happen now. Um, but he's pushing 50, and his his game is just to, you know, chase ladies. And you know what that's all about, right, guys? So is those, right? We'll put it politely. Um, around Eastern Europe. No interest in marriage. No interest in settling down. So that's where he's coming from. Oh my, what has gotten this Ukrainian pride business owner so triggered and so emotional that he's trying to disparage my character. But it's kind of interesting because it sounded more like a compliment if I'm apparently pushing 50 and still getting the young hotties here in Ukraine. But what has I think triggered him, well, I know it's what triggered him, is my video from a couple of weeks ago where I outlined why I believe that the Ukrainian Bryce business is clinically dead, right? It's on life support. Greetings from Odessa Mama. I'm here in the city garden. And Odessa is a city that would have seen a lot of matchmakers in the past and romance tours and uh, basically a big Ukrainian bride business. So I actually, uh, quite well-known documentary made about it a few years ago as well. Now that's not the case at the moment because this is December 2022 and with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the more extended invasion of February 24th of this year, uh, there's almost no tourism and uh, in fact uh, the matchmakers that I have spoken to have told me that yeah their business is definitely close to dead and this is not the only place where you would have seen this kind of business. Just before we get into reacting to the video that I played you a clip from, I'm going to play you a clip from a film from Sweden that was released in 1999 and it's a mockumentary. It's a comedy basically, a tragic comedy uh, about a group of Swedish wife hunters, wife hunters Harry, I guess, Harry's in group leaving from Sweden and going to Estonia in search of an Estonian bride because back in those days apparently there was a Estonian bride business. Have you been to Nordland in Sweden any time? Or Lammetanssima. You and me? Yeah. So isn't that really interesting and quite funny that there was an Estonian bride business back in the late 90s. And in fact, I met a Swedish guy here, Dag, and he told me about this film. It's called Sucker for Talon. Now my Swedish isn't the best, but I did watch the parts where they're interacting at a speed dating event, right? So you see that basically they came on a tour to Estonia. There were the local ladies there. They went to the speed dating where basically you get a few minutes with each woman. And then it's kind of a bit like I guess it was a precursor to Tinder. You either say you're interested or you're not. You swipe right, you swipe left, and maybe then something happens if you both swipe that you want to see each other again. You both agree to it. And in fact, in the mid to late 90s, there were bride businesses all over Central and Eastern Europe, those countries that have been in the Warsaw Pact or in the Soviet Union, or just in the Communist East in general, matching Western guys with local women. And I asked Dag, wow, I had heard about these things, but it's so hard nowadays to find any traces of it on the internet or anything like that. And I said, well, until when about was this Estonian bride or Eastern European bride thing 
outside of Ukraine and Russia, these countries that are further east, where the, the industry has been mainly based over the last, say, 10, 20 years at this stage. Uh, for how long was there, like, a thing in Sweden of going looking for an Estonian bride on one of these tours? And he told me, uh, plus or minus, maybe five years after the film was released. He said, people, guys of his generation, Sweden all know the film. Um, yeah. And then I thought about it. So 1999 plus five would make it 2004. And what happened in 2004? What historic event happened in Estonia and in much of Central and Eastern Europe? Well, Estonia joined the European Union. Hmm. Is that just a coincidence? Or is there a cause and effect to the decline? And I can't find any trace of an Estonian bribe business for Western Europeans nowadays online, uh, especially that kind of tour business that they made the mockumentary about. So is it a coincidence that the socioeconomic situation and options for Estonians, and not just Estonians, Latvians, Lithuanians, Czechs, Poles, um, a little bit later was Romanians and Bulgarians in 2007, that it changed dramatically, it dramatically improved. They could just move to Sweden if they wanted to, and they could work. Now, there was in some parts of Europe a little bit of a, uh, a derogation on being able to work, but actually Sweden allowed it from, if I remember correctly, from the beginning, like Ireland and the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom was in the European Union at the time, now they've left since Brexit. Yeah, it was revolutionary in terms of the options socioeconomically for the women, of those countries they could because before they needed visas just to go as a tourist never mind to work you need a work permit and that was quite tricky to get so then all of that bureaucracy was removed and they could move and live everywhere in western europe more or less they could move to paris the next day to stockholm uh, to dublin to london at the time so let's go and have a look at the video made by the matchmaker the triggered matchmaker let's see what he was saying i'm calling it the ukrainian bride business is dead kaput so first of all who is this matchmaker his name is joe he's from canada and he moved here to ukraine and he met his lovely wife anna and there's probably about a 20 year age gap i would think I imagine he's in his 50s and I find it kind of, I find it very amusing that he picked on pushing 50 and sowing the wild oats when that's what he did himself and that's why we had success. So he moved here to Ukraine, something I definitely was advocating before the war uh, to my clients to actually move for three to 12 months a year in Ukraine and he met his wife here and um, yeah. She wasn't the first woman that he met, so he went out and he was here for a couple of years, I think, before he met her. I remember he was living in Sumy and then in Kiev. And um, then they got married here in Ukraine. Also a good move to get married in Ukraine as opposed to the West. Family law is quite different here. And yeah, he's kind of a success story for the kind of um, lifestyle that I advocate, moving to the region for at least a certain amount of time per year, give yourself lots of time, enjoy uh, the benefits before the war, obviously before February 2022 20, of being here, and have lots of time to meet the beautiful women of Eastern Europe, because you actually live here, so you have a lot of time, you're not a tourist, he's a business owner, he has his uh, matchmaking business, and um, yeah, you don't 
can't label as like a wife hunter or a sex tourist or anything like that because you actually live here. So good on him. He also uh, left be just before the February 24th invasion and got his wife and the kids out of Ukraine. Good on him for that. He took good measures to secure the safety of his family. So he made this response video and it's I think almost 90 minutes long but he only really directly deals with the main tenant of my argument for my video in a short part of the video. So I'm just play that now and then react to it. Basically, um, the czar is saying that basically the whole predication, the whole basis, the whole foundation of the Ukraine brides industry, the Russian for, former Soviet Union, is an exchange of basically, to distill it down, money with beauty. It's an exchange. Western men have money, Ukrainian women have beauty. So there he distills my argument down to beauty for money, actually it said socioeconomic uh, status, but that's a little bit more subtle. Money is a big part of that, but it also includes things like education, status, uh, family prestige. There are a few things that go into socioeconomic status, but definitely money is a big thing. So he's not too far wrong, but just to, just to clarify that. In a scam um, agencies, yes, uh, you know, the what quality of the ladies who come to scam guys, you know, this is uh, broken many level women, you know, who who able to do this to hurt other people in with the purpose to chase money, you know. So there, his wife Anna um, kind of changes the topic to scammers. So they would be women who are basically basically criminals who defraud either through a what's known as a paper letter scam which is basically writing messages that are paid right and leading the guy on I used to get uh, as part of my consulting uh, quite often guys it was quite tragic a lot of times to be widowers and they'd be lonely and then they'd have this woman who give them attention online but they were never talking to that woman almost certainly it's probably some guy maybe writing the message to them or they you know they evolved to doing some video uh, kind of odd looped video or something I can never really understand what it was <laughs> it never really sounded real or you had like those massive scams where uh, there was a Russian Instagram uh, celebrity who was like basically making little video clips to all these guys paid saying hi Joe hi James hi Harry hi whoever it is uh, and say thank you for the flowers all this kind of stuff uh, that's not what we're talking about at all, right? Those women are criminals, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they're defrauding men. That's not when we're talking about women looking uh, to meet Western men at a genuine matchmaker. That's not what I'm talking about. But anyways, let's go on and see what she says about other women. If you talk about average Ukrainian woman, why she come to good agency, yeah? Like our agency. Mm. Her main goal, <laughs> to have love in her life, to have family, you know, to find her her man, doesn't matter where he live in the world, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, second, as everybody say, I will follow my love, you, you, my love, you know, if she's not uh, able to do this uh, in Ukraine due to limited choice. So the Ukrainian women are just looking for love. What happened in Estonia in 2004, the early 2000s? The, the women just stopped looking for love at the same time when they got better socioeconomic options by joining the European Union. Kind of a strange coincidence, but anyways, let's go on and see what else she says. Because of, again, 
how how many men and how many women. All right, I gotta stop that there. This whole thing about a gender imbalance, that's not true. I made another video about the gender imbalances in demographics in general in Eastern Europe. I'll link it up above in a card down below in the description. I probably made it, it could be two years ago. And basically, until you hit around 35 years of age, uh, there are more men in Eastern European countries like Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, then there are women. So it's only over 35. And the demographic situation only really diverges when you get up like really, you know, maybe to 60, 70, 80. Then there is like, yeah, then it's hard for uh, women those age to find a man around the same, around the same age. I guess they'd be looking for a man probably even a bit older. And because of the shorter life expectancy of men here in Eastern Europe, that is an issue, but not for a woman who's I guess 35 <laughs> or 20, they actually have more men to choose to, from than women. So I don't know where this, why they say this all the time. Well, often they, they just look at the overall demographic and say, look, there are more women than men, but they don't explain by age. Uh, so unless you're looking for someone over 60, this is not an issue. And now it will be even worse because uh, many Ukrainian, you know, now in war, you know, so many will be even more even will be even yeah, more the gender gap yeah. the gender gap yeah. just got much bigger right yeah. i mean they estimated not official but unofficial ukrainian soldiers dead before the war actually started on february 24th so from 2014 to 22 from the donbass uh war 40,000 ukrainian men what is he on about this 40,000 i don't know where he got this figure from i think he means 4,000 because from 2014 to 2022, there was about, I'm trying to think the exact, I think it was somewhere around 13 to 14,000 people killed in the war in uh, the east of Ukraine. Uh, that includes civilians and combatants from both sides. So I think the Ukrainian army officially lost between three and 4,000 soldiers in that time period. So that's not an accurate representation of the losses in, on, before 24th of February. And now, who knows what the number is? Is it approaching 100,000? It's a lot of young single guys that haven't started their life yet. It's absolutely tragic, of course. Yeah, that about this war, we don't know how many people have been killed so far. We'll probably, if we ever find out the exact number, it will be after uh, the war is over, I suspect. Yeah, and there are definitely a lot of young Ukrainian guys, as well as young Russian guys who have been killed tragically uh, in this senseless war, in my opinion what is going to be left after this thing finishes. Yeah, what is going to be left? Well, Joe is not here since he evacuated his family. Uh, maybe he's not aware, but millions and millions of Ukrainian women have left, right? Because uh, Ukrainian men in general find it hard to be allowed to live, leave here. They're not supposed to unless they have permission. Whilst you're probably aware at the beginning of the war, millions and millions of Ukrainians left. And they were mainly women, children, and the elderly. So actually, if you were here in Ukraine as a Ukrainian woman, then the demographic is completely in your favor in terms of young single men versus young single women at the moment, because most of those uh, women who left have not come back. Most of the single women in particular have not come back. Just anecdotally of those single girls I know from Ukraine, I'd say it's about, of the single girls, only 10% have come back. M most of the women I know have come back, have a boyfriend or a husband here in Ukraine. That's why they came back. 
Uh, I know some girls who came back to change their clothes from summer to winter and then they went back to the European Union because they are allowed to live in the European Union uh, for at least two years. It'll probably be extended as well. So um, yeah, there just is a huge demographic uh, in favor of single women in Ukraine at the moment. Now, when the war is over, uh, presumably a lot of those Ukrainian women will come back. But are they all coming back? I doubt it. The longer this war goes on, the more time they're going to have spent in, say, Germany, in France, the United Kingdom, uh, in Ireland, maybe also in the US, although the majority of them are in the European Union. And they're going to put down some ties there. They might meet a guy there and start a family. Uh, they might get a job <laughs> and start working there and think, well, now I have those better socioeconomic options myself, uh, as opposed to being in Ukraine. So I don't think that the most of those women are coming back. Uh, I think uh, it's very hard to, to guess. Would half of them come back? Maybe. But that would mean <laughs> that hundreds of thousands of them would not come back. And yeah, let's take his estimate of maybe 100,000 young single Ukrainian guys die. But if more than that actually stay abroad and never come back to Ukraine, then again, you'd have more Ukrainian guys than Ukrainian girls who are single here. So it, it just doesn't, there's a lot of unknowns about what happened after the war, but for now, definitely no. There are way more single men here than there are single women, for sure, 100%. The point I'm making is really, is it a crash of the industry or is it a, is it a precursor to a boom? All right, that's interesting. So he poses the question, is it a crash or is it a precursor to a boom? He's not saying it's a boom at the moment, uh, it sounds like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen after this war is over. That's, my, that's, that's clear. But for right now, having spoken to other people in his industry, it's definitely not a boom, for sure. <laughs> the limited was their choice in Ukraine, so they become more open-minded to meet, uh, you know, their love all over around the world. So there she says that they're limited by their choice in Ukraine. How are they limited? There are more men than women who are single and young. So what, what's the limit? Is it that they're limited in finding a uh, high value guy, like a high socioeconomic guy? Like what, what, what is the limitation? Because it's not because there's a dearth of actual men. Foreigners who never been to Ukraine, they might think this is like bad life there, you know? This is like people desperate to leave Ukraine, you know? But uh, tr uh, foreigners who travel there, actually many of them, if they have uh, a possibility to work online, they move to live in Ukraine. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly what I was advocating for my clients, actually what I guess Joe did himself, is like if you can work online, then here, February 24th was pretty amazing. Why? Because the cost of living was a lot lower. It was kind of like maybe a third as a ballpark figure of living in the West. But that's if you're working online. So you have an international salary, shall we say, not a local Ukrainian salary. And that is the big difference. Most of the guys who work and live in Ukraine before the war, uh, they had a local salary. They didn't all work online. And the cost of living is a third, right? So for someone who is able to get a western level salary then it's kind of your purchasing power is three times bigger here but that's not the same for the local guys or someone working on a local salary they have a local salary a local and that is uh socio well socioeconomically lower than having a salary in the west versus the cost of living so that i think is what she's really getting at is like that there's a dearth of options for compared to the rest 
compared to the West, we'll say socioeconomically. But life was definitely good here, for sure. And I don't think Ukrainian women were desperate in the last few years before this invasion uh, to leave. I think maybe, probably, it was very different in the 1990s, maybe even in the 2000s, uh, similar to what you saw in Estonia, apparently. The only one reason why they were looking for love abroad, because they was not happy that they cannot... Uh, accomplish their main life goal you know to find love to create a family and, and this was the reason why they was looking abroad not because they want to upgrade they have good life in ukraine that's what you need to understand and those guys who travel to ukraine they they could experience this so the ukrainian girls were only looking for love at the marriage agency right they couldn't find love with any of the ukrainian guys here very strange uh often uh clients of these marriage agencies have come to me you know, as a consulting client quite often, I have a link to that down below in the description to the video if you're interested in hitting me up for my advice. And a large number of the women who are at these marriage agencies or matchmakers, they will be single moms in at least their 30s or 40s. So divorce here in Ukraine is over uh, 50% and typically the fertility rate is actually quite low. It's lower than in the West. It's like <laughs> Hello, Ivan <laughs> uh, It's lower than in, in the West in general. It's like normally I think it's like 1.2 or 1.3 So women would typically have one to two children normally not more so it's quite um, There's kind of like I guess a pandemic shall we call should we say of single moms here in their 30s in particular with maybe one child maybe two and uh, they don't have that high value on the local dating market here in Ukraine. Now, that doesn't mean they're bad people at all. I'm not talking about their, their morals or their values. But the reality is that the guys who have that higher socioeconomic status here, well, they can also normally have a wide choice of women who are under 30 <laughs> normally and don't have uh, children from previous relationship. So that is a big incentive to go to a matchmaker and a marriage agency you know that they would presumably move to the west afterwards the child as well the child would grow up they wouldn't be a stepdad and that would be a better socioeconomic situation than probably she's going to find here in ukraine so uh, the typical guy who goes to a marriage agency wife hunter harry he's not planning to actually live in ukraine um so moving to the west is a big part of it and what is the advantage of moving to the west i mean as she said ukraine was great before the, the war to live in you have your family here if you were able to work online you could have a great life because the cost of living was a third plus or minus so the incentive to go to the matchmaker if you're a woman is to move abroad and what's the reason for that love <laughs> let's see what else they say and even with the war guys ukrainian ladies are not desperate yeah i agree with that last statement they're not actually desperate because they already are able to live in the West and they're not actually trapped here in Ukraine. The Ukrainian women, the Ukrainian men, uh, unfortunately for them, for many of them, are actually trapped. They can't leave. I had a, uh, a landlord here who told me that, yeah, he's a bit frustrated because he can't go anywhere and it's been over 280 days of this war and he's not fighting on the front. He's not actually in the military, so he's sitting around in Odessa renting out his apartment with very few tourists. Uh, but for the Ukrainian women, they're already in places like, as I said, Germany, France, Sweden, um, Estonia, Poland. There's a lot still. 
many in Hungary and Ireland when I was back. There are a lot of Ukrainians, good on the Irish people for helping uh, and welcoming so many Ukrainians in their time of need. Uh, so for the Ukrainian women, they're already there. He goes on, I'll link the, um, the video down below in the description if you want to watch the, the, the rest of it, but he doesn't directly address uh, my points after this. So I think I'll just leave it at that as a reaction. So what now for the Ukrainian bridegrooms? Well, I went, I looked not just at uh, Joe's website, I looked at many of the main actors in this business. And out of curiosity, I want to know what they're up to now that obviously uh, foreign guys coming here to Ukraine in person is a bit unrealistic uh, with the war and the fact that well, most of the single Ukrainian women appear to be in the European Union and not actually in Ukraine. And many of them, they've done what you would expect. They've actually pivoted to other regions. They're talking about Thai women. They're talking about Colombian women. So I'm not sure if it's actually a speed dating or it's just kind of like the socials they used to uh, organize here in Odessa where there's a big group of single women and guys invited to it, but it's in different parts of the world or they're doing more online. They're organizing Zoom speed dating where basically, if I understand the concept, the women who already, the Ukrainian women who already live in the European Union, they jump on a call with a group of Western suitors and uh, they're all kind of on a Zoom call. And I guess it's a bit like, like Tinder. <laughs> if you like, both like each other, you both swipe right, then I guess you can exchange details and speak off the, uh, off the program. I guess, what's, is that good or is that bad? Is it better or worse than Tinder? Well, and, well, the big limitation I see is the number of women, uh, because obviously if you have just Tinder, and I'm not knocking speed dating 100%, I have a friend, he met his wife speed dating kind of just before Tinder started though, uh, in London. And actually I went to once a speed dating event in Minsk just to see what it was like. I paid something like, I think, it was less than 10 bucks and went down and then you kind of sit at the table and then you move. I think you had a minute or two minutes talking to each woman. And then if you both liked each other at the end, then they, you got to exchange contact details. So uh, from my point of view there, there was no risk of catfishing. Like, you know, you look at the photo and then someone else turns up. Well, obviously she was there in front of me, but you got a, only a limited amount of time. Anyways, a bit like on Tinder, firing, you know, you got to going to have to go out with someone afterwards. The number of women was quite small. I mean, I think there was there maybe maybe there was 10 to 15. I think there might've only been 10 actually. And obviously on Tinder, you kind of have unlimited almost uh, number of people you can go through, but the big danger on Tinder is people wasting your time. They're not like on the, uh, <laughs> look like they are in the photos. If you're doing it via, via video link, well, you also really get that feeling from being face to face with them. And um, yeah, it's better than the photos. They, it's, you can't really Photoshop a, a live video feed. So. Um, you get a better idea what they at least really look like. I think the, the other issue is going to be like, okay, you're still going to have to meet in person uh, and you can't really like, like if they're all over Europe, then what are you going to do? You're going to meet one in Paris and then another in Warsaw and then another in like, you're going to be flying all over Europe just to have a date. Um, or you're gonna maybe maybe invite them to meet you <laughs> all in Budapest. I don't know what you would do, really. It seems a little bit inefficient to me as a, as a way of doing it. So uh, that's what a lot of them have also pivoted to. They've uh, started to uh, do these kind of Zoom, uh, Zoom speed dating calls. For me, I don't really see uh, why Ukrainian women, if they already live in the West and are surrounded by Western, Western guys everywhere, and they have the right to live in the West. They're not about to be deported back to Ukraine next week. Um, and I actually think that probably at the end of this war, their right to stay will, for most of them, be extended, possibly even indefinitely. Do they really need uh, this kind of service? 
more than women from Estonia or Slovakia or Bulgaria or Poland. Um, yeah, but maybe those women who in 2004 and 2007 uh, got to join the European Union and get uh, access um, by themselves to, you know, moving to the West and that higher socioeconomic uh, range of possibilities, maybe they, when they got that, they just stopped looking for love. Let me know what you think down below in the description to the video. Am I being too harsh on them? Is there really a future for the Ukrainian bride business or is it kaput? What else can I say? Well, that's about it. Uh, often, as I said, I have uh, guys who've tried matchmakers. It's not the main demographic guys who come and live desire experience with me in person, but occasionally it does happen. Uh, so if you are interested in coming with me, we will not come to Ukraine because of the war. We will not go to Russia, we will not go to Belarus because of this uh, Russo-Ukrainian war. Uh, but I have been recently with clients in neighboring Chisinau, uh, a few hours up the road in Moldova, also was in Kazakhstan, in almighty Almaty, and we'll be going soon to Riga in Latvia, and maybe also Poland, uh, to those countries where, um, yeah, in 2004, the women, they stopped looking for love. But anyways, if you think that you want to enjoy an unforgettable weekend with me partying in the real east of Europe, then down below is an application form. There's a link to an application form. Also, before you apply, because it is by application only, I don't take everybody to live the desired experience, only people who are a good fit for it. Uh, just go and check out the playlist for some of the cities where I've been with, with clients before, and you'll get a better flavor a uh, better sense to what it is basically on that kind of weekend and you know actually because in preparation for this video I just thought I go back and look through my former clients and see how many of them got married after the Zara experience because I have a no match guarantee basically there's nothing guaranteed if you come with me on the Zara experience but actually I looked at it and 4.7 percent of my clients actually got married to someone that they met on the weekend experience with me uh, here in Eastern Europe. And actually, there was a, another good few guys who had, who are either in a long-term relationship, they just decided not to get married, um, so far at least, and other guys who stayed on, you know, they did the ex weekend experience with me and then they stayed on in, in Ukraine or somewhere else in Eastern Europe for a week or two, and they actually also met their now wife. So anyways, just an interesting, statistic for you, a little bit of trivia about the Zara experience and just as a little humorous end to the video, I'm going to play you another clip from Sucker for Tallinn and uh, yeah, it's quite amusing how the whole thing ends. Our matchmaker Harry from Sweden, he runs off with the matchmaker's wife in Estonia. Dopobacina, Slava Ukraini! See you in the next video. Ciao, ciao from Odessa Mama. You are married to Lambit. What are you doing? Sar Experience.